Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Like Bartimaeus, much of the world certainly today knows, quote, about Jesus. Satan, who is a great deceiver, has convinced many sinners that knowing about Jesus is enough, or going to church is enough, or taking communion is enough, or being a good person is enough. But the Bible says it takes more to be a Christian than knowing about Jesus. When an animal is in danger, it will go to great lengths to get out of a bad situation, sometimes harming themselves in the process. When people are hurting and in need, they also seek a way out. The desperation of rock bottom can lead a person through darkness and sometimes result in permanent scars. The only sure way out of the mess of our own lives is to let Jesus come in and take over. If we ask Him with one fell swoop, He can clear out the sin and misery and help us to build a better life. But why wait for rock bottom? Let Jesus save your life now. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We will be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18, with part 2 of our message entitled, An Eye-Opening Experience. When we're born, we're born into this as a picture, a a jungle of sin. And we're in this jungle, and we're captives of Satan. We think we're living a free life, but we're really not living a free life. And in that area, we work and do our things and whatever, but something's always wrong. We're oppressed. We don't have joy. We, We don't really know what life's all about. Into that prison camp, one day came Jesus. And he said to the prisoners, if you'd like to follow me, I'm going to just weld this path to freedom over here. And as I do, if you'll follow me, and by your choice, you come to this area of freedom, you can be removed from this captivity. I've come to set the captives free. This is Jesus. So see, sin always enslaves. You're in bondage. So Jesus is saying, and you get a picture there as you look at that verse, I'm going to be the one that needs to share with you that there is a a road to freedom. Now, Bartimaeus is sitting there, and Jesus is coming by, and he goes, Jesus, healing, freedom. These things are rolling through his mind. Now, Jesus then goes back to heaven after our story, and after we finish the book of Mark. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God today. And here's all these people at, at our workplace, School, neighborhood, maybe a few sitting in the church who have come that aren't Christians yet. Who's going to tell them that there's a path to freedom? You see, the reputation of Jesus is why Bartimaeus screamed out. If Jesus was just a great teacher, you wouldn't have heard anything. But he knew he could meet his need. What is the reputation of Jesus among the world today? At best, a great teacher. They don't realize they're in bondage. 
Well, who's going to tell them that the emptiness of their life can be fulfilled? Who's going to tell them? We're the ones that are going to tell them. You and I, we've been given that responsibility, but really it's a tremendous freedom to do that. You and I are the ones that are going to tell those people. Now, how are we going to tell them? The best way to share with your neighbors, your friends, and those that don't know the Lord is by your personal testimony. Sometimes we want to become too full of theology. We want to have all these things, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But the best thing you can do is like the blind man who was healed in the book of Acts. He said, well, once I was blind, but now I see. That's about all I know. It's the simplicity of God's changing your life. It's a personal testimony. Could you state to somebody who stopped and asked you today, could you remember back when you were in the jungle of sin? How many can remember back then what it was like? Is it different today? Oh, it's different today. Now, some has been a long time, hasn't it? So we don't remember back too well. We need to stop and remember back a little bit. I was teaching singles, and I got a great testimony from a gal, and she came up to me and she said, I just sent a tape of one of your services to a guy that I knew in another state or whatever. He'd been away from the Lord. And he called her, basically on the phone in the last couple of weeks, and said, because of that tape, I'm coming back to God. And here's what he said. I'm thinking, wow, this is good. I'm thinking, what point did he like or whatever? Here's what he said. When that pastor sang, Jesus loves me, this I know. He said, my mind basically went back to probably when he was a little kid. He went, wow, and he got saved. So it was my great teaching that caused that. <laughs> it was a song we sing in kids' church. Why? Because the love of God changed his life, see? See, God knows. We're not going to give you 17 points, and it's good to do that. We need to study the Word of God. But see, God can use anything, and he loves to use personal testimony. So a little chorus changed a grown man's heart to become soft again. Knowing about Jesus, point number four, is not the same as knowing Jesus personally. Knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus personally. Now, like Bartimaeus, much of the world certainly today knows, quote, about Jesus. Satan, who is a great deceiver, has convinced many sinners that knowing about Jesus is enough, or going to church is enough, or taking communion is enough, or being a good person is enough. But the Bible says it takes more to be a Christian than knowing about Jesus. A pastor was leading a small Bible study, and here's the way it reads. Years ago, a girl I knew from high school started coming to a Bible study I was leading. She learned the songs and started talking like us, started hanging around us. One day I said to her, I'm sure glad you're part of our group. She responded, I love it. And he said, I, I was just wondering, have you ever come to the point of committing your life to Christ so that you know you're forgiven of your sins. Turn to the high school student and she said this, 
No, I've never done that. And she said, no one ever told me I needed to do that. You see, she'd become part of the group. She was worshiping, she was singing, she was studying the Bible. She knew about Jesus, but she didn't know Jesus personally. The pastor said, well, I've learned that we have to keep spelling out the basis. So he said, I approached her and I said to her, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior right now? And she said, yes, and she did. You see, there's a great difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally in your life. If you don't know what it means to be a Christian, here's what it is. You have to acknowledge your sins, your sins. Then you have to recognize that Jesus died, as we talked about on the cross this morning, for your sins. And then you have to repent, which means you say, I'd like to go another way. And we'll see Bartimaeus do that. I'm going to go God's way, not my way, because sin is really my will versus God's will. And then after you repent, you receive Jesus Christ into your life. See, he comes into your life. So you're not just knowing about him, but he becomes part of you. Look at back at Mark chapter 10, verse 48. As he was shouting, it says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But what did he do? He, he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, the Jews, the religious people following Jesus, were probably headed for the Passover at Jerusalem. They had already decided what Jesus was going to do. Certainly, he was not going to spend time with a beggar. So they were trying to shield Jesus from a person they had written off. How interesting that religious people can actually be barriers to those trying to come to God. I'll tell you how you can be a barrier as a religious person. Go to people and say to them, you're going to hell without showing God's love. You know, hell is a realism, but if you follow Jesus... He won people through love. How do you know that? Well, the Bible tells me he came into the world because he loved the world. And the next verse says he didn't come to what? Condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world in general today is a barrier to Jesus. The world system, as we've already said, says, well, you don't need Jesus, you can just be a good person. We've been through that before. So the crowd says to blind Bartimaeus here, be quiet. And he's saying this to blind Bartimaeus. Don't bother Jesus. He's not going to stop for you. He already has an agenda. He's headed to Jerusalem. We know that agenda now. He told us last week. And beside Bartimaeus, you're just one beggar. Jesus doesn't care about beggars. But notice when the crowd tries to stop Bartimaeus. What does he do? He just turns up the volume a little more. He doesn't care. Why? Here's the key. When you are desperate, you won't allow anything to keep you from coming to Jesus. And here's the sad thing I find. Some of you will have to hit bottom before you cry out for Jesus. Now, I hope most of you are smarter than that. But some of you will be like Bartimaeus here. Some of you will be like the prodigal who had to eat in the pig pen and go, Hello, this isn't right. 
And see, we like to say to you, don't go that route, don't do that, don't marry that person, don't go to that place. Off you go. Because you will have to hit bottom before you'll come back. Now the neat thing is, when you cry out, you're going to see this morning that Jesus is there. Now if I was the one, I'd have passed you up a long time ago. Because see, I'm better than you. Something wrong with that statement? We think we are, but we're no better, are we? Aren't you glad when we blow it, God's there? And we all blow it. So this guy says, forget you crowd. I don't care about etiquette. I need Jesus. Interesting enough, this is the last physical healing miracle in the book of Mark. Bartimaeus knew if I don't get him now, I'm never going to get him. So he took opportunity of it. Number five, Jesus is a personal God who cares about every individual. Verse 49, and Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. This is an eye-opening experience. It's our first one for the crowd. They had written off Jesus, but here Jesus shocks the crowd. He stops and he says to the crowd, I want to meet this guy that's screaming out for me. I have time. I have compassion on those who need help. I care about individuals. I've come for individuals. How wonderful to know that Jesus this morning has time for an individual and has compassion. You see, it shocked the crowd. We think masses of people are where it's at. No, if you follow Jesus, it was frequently single, individual people that mattered. How about you and how about me? Do individuals matter? It's a challenge for a pastor. Do individuals matter? You betcha. Every single individual matters. And Jesus shocked the crowd. Their eyes were open. You mean he's going to stop for this beggar? Yes, he is. Now, Jesus is going to open somebody else's eyes because he has just finished, you remember in the verses before, saying to the disciples this, Guys, you have your own agenda. I'm telling you, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. So Jesus is going to demonstrate this principle of teaching. He does it right here. He says to the disciples, do you see this, disciples? Here's an eye-opening experience for you, because the crowd had tried to stop Jesus from going to this man. The disciples, we don't hear anything about them. The disciples... When a man cries out for help, the disciples are totally silent. How often you and I, as Christians, blow it because we're totally silent. There's no Peter going, hey, Jesus, there's an opportunity to heal somebody here. Let's just right on down, just right on down the road. Silent. So now Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey boys, open your eyes. And I love it because when we get to Peter and John in Acts 3, and there's a beggar at the temple. Peter and John go, whoops, I think I remember a lesson here. We had an eye-opening experience. Let's stop and minister to this guy. And they did. Now I want you to open your eyes. Individuals matter to Jesus. So Jesus says to his disciples, hey, watch this. We're going to minister to these people. Now, what Satan loves to do is, we talked about, we'll do it quickly, for those of you and I that are Christians, he likes to, number one, keep us divided. 
and we have all these petty arguments that we get into. Because of that, we don't think about individual unbelievers. We're just trying to solve some ridiculous question that has no really answer. Secondly, not only are we divided as Christians, but quite often we're just devoid of energy. We are so busy in life, we have no time for sharing the gospel. But we pass these people every day. Just masses of people are here in this prison. But we have so much agenda, we have no time for them. We just have no energy. The loss, that's somebody else's responsibility. The third thing that I think Satan does for us is this. This is a great weapon for him. Let me read you an article. It says, World Religions Coming to America. Islam, which started as an immigrant religion in the United States, by the way, the fastest growing now in all the world, has now emerged as a local religion. Only 12% of the Muslims in this country come from the Middle East. All the rest are being one here. So what has Satan done? Here's exactly what he's done. We Christians just walk by this place where all these people are searching. See, in, these, in this area of sin, people finally go, hmm, this is crazy going around in circles. I don't have any answers. There must be something. So we're so busy arguing about some ridiculous thing, King James only, or some jazz like that, or we're so devoid of energy that we walk right by them. Well, who stops over there? Hello? The Muslims, the Buddhists, the Jehovah Witness. Now, the Mormons are good people. All of these people are good people. But the Mormons especially, and certainly the Jehovah Witness, they serve a different Jesus than we serve. Don't ever believe they're just a kind of a little a divergent from Christianity. They're not at all. They're totally pagan things that have no God like our God. The scripture says if they serve a different Jesus, they're not ours. Their Jesus is a little God. He isn't even the Jesus you and I are talking about. So the wonderful, well-meaning people that are there are going to hell because they don't have the Jesus we have. We love them, but they're a cult. I want you to see this morning what Satan has done with them. You and I go by, we don't have time to knock on anybody's door. Do any of them have time to knock on our doors? Live in your town for a little while. You'll get one of these. And here's what's happened. The Christians, no energy, man. I'm just so tired, I can't go to church tonight. Soccer, you name it. Joe Witness. Hello? Hey. You know there's a loving God. We have a Bible, we have another Bible you can read. Mormons, like family values? Great people for families. By the way, here it is. Underneath the Bible, here's the Book of Mormon. You might want to read that too. So what have they done? They're the ones with the zeal. They're the ones with the energy. Where are the Christians? King James Bible. And we laugh. But millions of our friends are going to hell. Why? Because you and I have blown it. So Jesus is trying to say, I'm stopping for this guy, because if I don't, somebody else will. And that's Satan. And he's brought this. Let me ask you a couple things as we look at this. Do you have compassion on the unbeliever? Will you stop when they scream for help? You say, I haven't heard anybody at work say, Jesus, I need your help! No, you won't. But by the water cooler, you'll hear this. You know, I really had a tough weekend, and my husband and I are getting along. Or I'm separated now, and 
I'm a single parent, my kids, I don't, they're asking questions about God. And, you know, I remember back when I went, was a kid, I went to Sunday school, and I just wonder if there's any, what are they doing? They're saying this, help! We go, hey, cool, yeah, that's nice, it was a nice time, see you around. And off we go, because we have our own agenda. See, they've been asking for help. Now, the ones that will come out and ask you point blank like help are the ones that have hit bottom, and that's good. But how about getting the people before they hit bottom? Because, see, every unbeliever is empty. I watched the people come accept the Lord, and I looked at the different families after, probably wondering, husband, wondering what's the wife done, and whatever, and the wife, and... Well, it's because they've come to a knowledge that they need something. And they took a bold step and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So, do you and I have compassion? Now, we make lots of excuses. I'm going to give you some excuses. Here's some excuses. I got them from a wonderful article by Mark Mittenberg. It says this. Number one excuse for not, not responding to the Great Commission. In other words, why I'm dodging it. Number one, I don't have any non-Christian friends. Oh, that's a great statement. Now, the problem is, the longer you're a Christian the truer that statement is. You see, if you don't have any non-Christian friends, then you've done nothing but turn inward. And you're fishing here, and God's saying, there are no unsafe people here. You remember the ice fishing story? Anybody remember? Right. It is God speaking. You're digging a hole here and open. Well, there's gonna, there'll be a few that have come in. There's a few stragglers that have come in. They'll get saved this morning. But as a whole, the unbelievers are where? They're in the marketplace of life where you and I live, down there, whatever. Number two, I don't have the gift of evangelism. There is a gift of evangelism. But every Christian is to be an evangelist. The Bible says to us, we're to go into all the world and make disciples. That's to every single one of us. Number three, I don't have the time right now. When will you have the time? Number four, I'm afraid of what friends will think of me. Again, we're not talking about bashing people. We're talking about when there's an open door, gently sharing God's love and grace. Do you know what your friends will think of you if they end up in hell and you worked by them for 12 years and never shared the good news? They're going to say this, why didn't you tell me? Next, this is a big one. This is a, this is a really a, a poor excuse. I'll just live out my faith in front of my friends and they'll figure it out. No. The book of Romans says we have to go and tell them. You have to open your mouth. Yes, we're to be good examples, but we have to also tell them. Next. I don't know how to bring up the topic. Well, here's how you bring up the topic. You ask God to open a door. And guess what? Tomorrow at the drinking fountain or at the lunch counter, somebody will say something you go, oh, no. And God's going, oh, yes. Next, I don't know enough. Can you sing, Jesus loves me, this I know? You know enough. And what did I say the best witness is? It's your what? Your own personal testimony. Jesus doesn't turn away anyone, as we heard today in chapter 10 of Mark. Jesus sought out the blind beggar who was calling for him, even though the crowd saw the man as unimportant. He then asked Bartimaeus the important question, What do you want me to do for you? 
He wants us all to come to Him so that He can heal our broken lives and forgive our sinful pasts. He wants to open our eyes to see the truth. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will address the necessity of Christians. Being a witness for the gospel is a way to lead more people to Jesus. He'll summarize the many examples of excuses people use to get out of witnessing for Christ. We'll be challenged to step out of our selfish, inward focus and have a heart for the lost when Pastor Mark will exhort us to consider the finality of heaven and hell for every person. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.